Hello and welcome to episode 22 of Dark Concepts, a supernatural horror podcast written and read by me, Brian J. Cummings. So here it is, the final episode of the first season. I want to thank everyone who's listened in so far. It means a ton. There are two reasons for the change to a season-based show. And uh, one is that I need to write more stories. <laughs> um, and more particularly, a series of stories that tie in together with the occasional standalone story. It's kind of the format I wanted to go for. Um, so, yeah. And the second <laughs> second reason is I really, really need to finish the first series of novels that I've been hammering away at for nearly two years now. It's a uh, historical fiction dealing with the events leading up to, during, and after the American Civil War, and uh, mixed with occult supernatural horror, of course. Tons of research and planning still lay before me. Um, ask anyone who has written a book, <laughs> the shit's hard, and it takes a lot of time if you want to do it right. Um, so yeah, that's the plan for now, the tentative plan anyway. Um, at least until October comes back around, which I will be back with the second season of this show. Um, so yeah, like some of my stories, this one in particular is based off of a paranormal experience of mine. And just like the last episode, I'll tell you all about it at the end of the episode. And with that, here we go. After their house is destroyed in a devastating fire. A concerned neighbor offers Jake and Whitney a place to stay until they can get back on their feet. Little does anyone know what darkness lingers on in the old cottage outside the sleepy colonial town of Haven, New Hampshire. Lilacs Jake Marlowe stood against the doorframe and peered into the house, unsure of what to think. So many thoughts were going through his mind as he looked around in the dying light of the day. An extremely long day. He and his girlfriend, Whitney, were going to be staying in the old house for the next week or so. At least until the insurance company could figure out what to do with them in the long term. It's easy to pity a family as they stand on the sidewalk in their pajamas watching their home go up in flames. But nobody really sees what happens after that's all done and the world as they knew it has been burnt to ashes. At least nobody was hurt. If he heard that one more time, he was going to strangle someone. Of course nobody got hurt. He had been more than diligent about keeping the batteries and the smoke detectors up to date. He had done everything he could to keep the place from catching fire, which is usually not on anyone's mind until the damn thing happens. Nobody knows what started the fire. He just knew that the home he was still paying for was gone, and his prized collection of vintage vinyl records were nothing but puddles of indistinguishable hardened plastic. He stepped inside the house and was immediately hit by an overbearing scent of something flowery. As soon as he noticed it, it was gone, and he was left looking around. Are you coming? Whitney asked, as she stopped on the stairway, glancing down at him, a small box of belongings she had managed to salvage in her arms. Yeah, yeah, I'm coming, he said stepping over the threshold. He followed Whitney up the stairs, his arms loaded with bags of new clothes and toiletries. All his old suits were now gone. He tried to push the depressing thoughts away, but as he stepped up the stairs, he turned and glanced down into the fading light of the parlor. The only thing he saw below was a single pale sunbeam as it cut across the worn wooden floorboards at the bottom of the sturdy old 
next stairwell. But he could have sworn he heard and even felt footsteps following him. These nerves were seriously getting to him. He needed to calm down. The insurance company was going to figure everything out. It's what they did after all. The house was owned by a former neighbor and friend who had told them the place was a rental property of his and it just so happened to be vacant at the moment and that they would be able to stay there for as long as they liked until they got back on their feet. Jake was inclined to stay at a hotel room paid by the insurance company but Whitney knew of the lovely old cottage sitting at the edge of town and was always smitten with the charming little place. Jake knew it was a well-kept historical property and one of the first colonial establishments in the town of Haven, New Hampshire a burg just north of the small yet bustling city of Portsmouth. The legend of Haven was known to everyone but Jake, who had just moved to New Hampshire because of his job. Whitney had told him the ridiculous story about a whole settlement of people mysteriously vanishing overnight, and the only man left in the town was a raving drunk, who spouted off stories about demons coming out of the darkness and snatching people up from their beds. Needless to say, the place was a hit around home. Jake put the box down in the room that they had picked to be their temporary bedroom and headed back outside for another box. On his way out, the flower he sent hit him again, this time causing him to cough. Jake looked around trying to locate the source of the powerful smell but could find nothing. It was March after all, and the ground was still covered in a perpetual layer of stubborn dirty snow. He walked back out to his car, his shoes crunching in the mix of gravel and ice as he grabbed up the last box of his things that he would need for the next week. He turned, his breath fogging in the air, and looked up towards the house. Through the mist, he thought he saw someone standing in the window, peering down at him. Jake's foot slipped, but managed to catch himself before falling. Glancing back up the window, he saw nothing there. He and Whitney spent the rest of the dwindling daylight trying to get themselves accustomed to the strange old house. The mental weight of their sudden homelessness was still unwieldy, like an awkward bucket of slopping water that they were being forced to carry. Nothing they did could make the situation seem normal. Jake found himself multiple times going to go retrieve an object or another, only to realize that the thing was now ruined. Nearly everything he had, except their important documents and small keepsakes held in a fire safe, was now completely gone. Ashes and charred bits of nothing. Jake caught Whitney studying him over dinner that night. His eyes caught hers and she smiled at him. Her eyes were sad, but still held a hint of that playfulness he had always admired in her. It's all going to be alright, you know. Ever the optimist. Jake didn't say anything, returning his eyes to his recently delivered plastic container of Lomain. It was a moment before he finally spoke. Everything is gone. His voice cracked. The two were silent for a moment, as if that awkward, unwieldy bucket were swaying ominously over them at the tiny table in that old brick kitchen. Well, not, not everything's gone, she said, though her smile did falter a bit. You still have your... Jake stood up and stormed out of the room. I'm going for a walk, he said coolly, and walked out of the house, slamming the door behind him. He stomped down the walkway towards the lonely wooded road that led to the small town beyond, too peeved to feel the prickling on the back of his neck. It took him less than a minute to realize that he had been a complete shithead. Whitney was just trying to be positive, taking the reins and trying to sail the two of them through their rough current. 
All Jake had succeeded in doing was taking his bucket of unease and worry and upending it over her head, effectively passing his confusion and anger onto her. Yeah, he lost everything he had worked for his entire life, but in the end, it was all just stuff. Stuff that gave him enjoyment, but still. Whitney was still here with him. He had a place to stay. He and Whitney were still alive and unharmed. Those were not things to be taken lightly. She was right. They still have one another, and they would bounce back from this. Everything was going to be alright. He was being a bratty little shit about the whole thing. Jake walked back to the house, but found the place shrouded in darkness. Night had fallen, and he, still not knowing exactly where he was, nearly walked past the place. The light was on outside as he walked up to the door. Walking inside, he looked around, realizing that Whitney had already gone to bed. He knew that sleep would do him some good too, so he made his way to the bedroom, thinking of the best way to apologize to Whitney in the morning. Breakfast in bed? You bet your sweet ass. He walked up the stairs and as he did so, the smell of flowers hit him again. Fainter this time, but still. It was gone as soon as it appeared. As soon as Jake climbed under the covers, it was as though the weight of the day before slipped off him as the pitch darkness of the room descended into his mind and cast him into a dreamless sleep. When he awoke a few hours later, his eyes were mostly accustomed to the darkness, though what he was seeing before the bed couldn't possibly be real. He tried to reach up and rub his eyes to dispel a groggy interruption, but his arms wouldn't move. A splinter of panic he felt in that moment only descended deeper into his mind as he realized that his entire body was rendered motionless. Jake's eyes grew wide as the image before him seemed to become more real instead of fade. Though his body couldn't move, his heart was galloping in his chest and his breathing came in sharp, shallow gasps. A woman was standing in front of the bed. He watched as she remained there, a static corpse-like form hovering in the gloom. Though his mind protested it, his eyes slid up to where the face should have been and saw there was none. His horror became steadily pronounced as amid the void a face began to emerge from the sullen darkness. Skeletal and tall, a woman's decaying visage appeared and her mouth fell open to a silent cadaverous scream. The eyes were not hollow pits, but pale blue and seemed to be more alive than he was. The pupils had an ominous glow that stared back at him, specks of light like malevolent icy stars fixed within an ominous black firmament. Holy fucking shit, holy fucking shit, this can't be happening. His mind was a flurry of obscenities and childlike whimperings, the likes of which he was prevented from displaying physically. Jake tried with everything he had to move, to jump from the bed and flee, but no matter how hard he tried, nothing worked. He was stuck paralyzed by some unknown force. All the while, the thing standing before the bed just stared down at him. Then the entity began to move, gliding forward and over to his side as he stared, eyes beginning to water and tears streaking down his face. An icy chill fell over him, and he knew it didn't have anything to do with the temperature. What are you doing here? A voice croaked in his mind. Jake tried to answer back to say his and Whitney's presence here was temporary and that they would be leaving as soon as they could. Hell, if he could, right now he would he would up and leave. 
bolt right out the door and never look back. Venti stood at the side of him and slowly bent down over him, her corpse-like face lowering ever so slowly towards his own. The withering translucent skin had begun to peel away at the high cheekbones, the teeth blackened through death, the gaping mouth resembling an endless pit ready to swallow his soul. A raspy death rattle began to reverberate in his ears. He tried to scream, but nothing happened. The entity's death rattle morphed into choked laughter as the face got closer and closer. The overpowering smell of flowers falling upon him, the suffocating miasma quickly turning to that of a decaying corpse. Whitney sat up in bed. Jake took his eyes off the entity to Whitney, whose eyes were half-lidded in sleep. She turned her head slowly towards the spirit, but her slack, sleeping face didn't change at the sight of the horror. You must leave, Whitney said, her voice monotone and the words coming in slow. The woman looked up at Whitney and their eyes locked upon each other. He means no harm. The man who hurt you is long dead. You must leave. You must let go of this pain and rest. Whitney told the entity, her voice only slightly above a whisper. Jake lay there, still unable to move, but he could nonetheless feel the horrid tension in the room beginning to lessen. Move on to the next world, Sally calls well. Move into the light. There is nothing but pain and fear left here for you. The entity began to glide back away from the bed, the smell of death and decay returning to that of flowers. Jake watched as the hideous features of the face settle into that of a beautiful but tired-looking woman, possibly in her early twenties. She glided into the darkness beyond the bed, her eyes still glowing with that pale light, and Jake kept watching until the light from them was gone. He sat upright, his arms and legs flailing about, nearly causing him to fall out of bed. Somehow, in the midst of all of this, Whitney remained asleep, looking as though she hadn't even sat up. Jake understood he would never know what truly happened that night. But now he was aware of how horrifying sleep paralysis could be. The rest of the time in their little colonial house was uneventful, and eventually, they moved on to another house as it was built. Jake never asked Whitney what had happened that night, nor did Whitney ever bring it up. It was as though it had never happened, and before Jake grabbed up the last of his things and was preparing to leave, he understood the whole thing to be just a vivid night. That was before he was stepping out through the front door as he caught the set of something. Something that, though rather faint, was horrifyingly familiar. A shiver danced up his spine and his heart gave a sudden lurch. It was then that the word came into his mind. Lilacs. As he and Whitney were backing down the driveway to leave, Jake couldn't help but notice someone in the window of the bedroom where they had slept, looking down at them. But when he did a double take, the image was gone. If you ever wanted to start your own podcast, I'll say from personal experience, Buzzsprout is a great way to go about it. I've been with Buzzsprout from the start and am extremely happy with the results. 
If you're like me and don't know the ins and outs of anything having to do with a podcast or what you'll need to start one, they'll have you covered. Buzzsprout has tons of resources to help you get your ideas off the ground. Two of my favorite features about having a podcast through them is the analytics on the podcast webpage and how seamless it is to place audio players of my episodes into my Squarespace website. Following the link in the show notes, let's Buzzsprout know I sent you, get you a $20 Amazon gift card, and help support the show. Okay, time for the true ghost story behind this one. So, um, the story actually happened exactly as the short story I just wrote. So, uh, surprise, the end. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> it happened, the story actually happened in 2014. It was at my wife's grandfather's place in Gardner, Maine. The house was built probably around the 1700s, and he had, uh, he had refurbished the house himself. He'd done a very good job on it. It was awesome. But, um. Yeah, so we were visiting and it was as I was taking our bags upstairs to the room where we would be staying in. And that was when I was hit in the face by a brick of flowery scent. For some reason, um, possibly because I grew up around my mom who grew all kinds of flowers and like anything, um, I knew that it was lilacs. And... At first, I thought it was some kind of <laughs> aromatic device gone horribly wrong, and I kept, and I just kind of moved past it, though I was, like, gagging, because it was really fucking strong, and, um, yeah, I noticed that the smell was gone as soon as it appeared. It was one of the weirdest things I've ever, ever experienced. But, um, yeah, so the rest of the day was uneventful. Uh, we just did, you know, what families do. When we're visiting, I guess, went out to dinner and stuff. And then we got back and nothing happened until the middle of the night when I woke up. One of the first things I noticed when I woke up was that the room felt really off. And then it was it was after that that I noticed that I couldn't I couldn't move. And um so normally Sensible, insane people would, you know, be kind of fucking terrified at not being able to move their body. But me being me, I was actually kind of giddy about it. I was excited because I knew what sleep paralysis was. But <laughs> I, it, it really makes no sense. I should have been scared, but I, I wasn't for some fucking reason because I'm just weird like that. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to be able to see the hat man that I hear all about. This is fucking crazy. And I'd never had sleep paralysis before this initial event. Never had it. And I haven't had it since. It's fucking weird. But um, it was that after that initial kind of giddiness that it actually did hit me. This something, the room began, to, I just began to feel dread. It was uh, pretty, pretty scary. The room began to darken, and I felt a presence emerge in the corner of the room. And um, so, yeah, I never actually saw an image, but I did feel like a woman was standing in the spot, and she was pissed, like really fucking mad. There was a fucking dude in her room, and she wasn't about any of it. <laughs> she was fucking mad. 
And it was here where I was kind of like, okay, this is kind of scary, but still kind of awesome. <laughs> and regardless, she wanted me the fuck out of her house. Like, just laying it down. And I, tr- I tried, I was like, look, you know, my wife and I were kind of, we were invited here and <laughs> there was no way I was leaving my then girlfriend here alone with a pissed off spirit. If You know, fuck that. And I also tried to convince her that I indeed wasn't an asshole and just to let us stay a few nights, you know, kind of be like, look, I'm cool. And uh, somehow, lo and behold, the spirit agreed that I was indeed not an asshole or a dick and relented. And I soon found myself able to move again. Thanks, ghost. I don't remember exactly when I fell back asleep, but I woke the next morning thinking the whole thing was just a really vivid dream. Nothing else happened for the rest of the trip, except for (laughs) when I was leaving the bedroom for the last time. I grabbed their bags on Skim Rada. We were leaving, and I smelled lilacs again. But it wasn't like a brick in the face. It was just very, very uh, light scent. And it was just for a moment, and then it was gone again. So, yeah, and I didn't tell anyone about it until we got back. And I told told my wife about it, and she was she was shocked because initially, while I was upstairs getting the bedroom, getting situated in the guest bedroom and everything, her grandfather was actually telling her about how the house was haunted, <laughs> and how he would smell lilacs all the time, and on a few occasions he would come home and look up in the window, and there was there would be a woman in the window staring down at him. So I. And I never heard any of that. I just kind of picked up on it. Just really fucking weird. If you like the story or the short stories or anything, um, let me know. Leave a like, a rating, a review, and subscribe if you so desire. Um, To explore these concepts further or keep up on what's happening with the podcast or any of my written works, brianjcummings.com is a great place to connect and learn more about what's going on behind the scenes, as well as read the stories in a type format. Um, oh, also, um, since it's going to be a while before I post on here again, uh, be friends with me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, where every once in a while I will post a two-sentence horror story. I'm going to try to get better at those, um, in the future. So until I return in October with more tales from the darkness of the witching hour, keep a candle nearby, because you never know when the lights will go out. details stood out in horrid detail the details stood out in horrid detail uh yeah so this for writers this is exactly why you read your work out loud because uh nah (laughs) 